take your seat and go to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. There you go, Numbers chapter 14 in your Old Testament. We're going to look today at a continuation of our topic of faith and talking about what faith looks like from the example given to us by a group of spies, uh, mainly two, not the full 12, but two of them who went in and scouted out the promised land that God had given to them in a covenant with their fathers. Now, faith is a journey of following. Faith is a moving conversation. Faith is never stagnant. Faith is never just remaining in the same place. Faith is a journey of pursuing after the promises that God has for your life every day. But on a faith journey, you will find and you will deal with a thing called obstacles. Everybody say obstacles. So don't be discouraged when you hit a wall in the faith journey. Don't be uh, distraught. Don't feel like God has left you out here. And don't begin to grumble. Don't begin to mumble. Don't begin to complain because faith always has with it some difficult times. Having said that, obstacles exist because we live in a fallen world and we do have an adversary. This is not like playing basketball by yourself with no defense. This is literally a world that we live in that has an adversary who wants to destroy God's plan, wants to limit your life, wants to disrupt your life, and our adversary is never on vacation. He is always well at work trying to hinder and detour us and limit what God can do through our life. This is true for all of us. Now, having said that, we also have a God who is victorious. Can I get an amen today? We have a God who is also with us. He is for us today. As the scripture said, if God is for us, who can be against us? But we can't forget when you face a difficulty that that's part of the conversation. But don't forget the promises and the person and the presence of God when you face a difficulty in life. Faith is not removing all your adversity. Faith is trusting God in adversity, knowing that he will prevail as we follow him. God is your lead blocker. Stay behind the blocker and you will score a touchdown guaranteed. God is on your side. God is for you and he has a promise for you. Now go real fast in Numbers chapter 14. I'm going to read you a lengthy text because you got to hear it. Okay, now if you have time today... Go home and read Numbers 10, 11, 12, 13 to give you even more context. But for today, we're going to focus on about 20 verses here in Numbers 14. Are you ready? Say yes. Here we go. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept out loud. All the Israelites grumbled. Everybody say grumbled. None of us ever grumble, do we? Grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only, now watch this, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to let us fall by the sword, our wives and children taken as plunder? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. 
Now, you might be asking what's happened so far. Well, what's happened is the spies went in and checked out the land, and they've come back with a report of what is there. Now, remember, before I go any further, God had already promised them the land. Everybody say God had promised. So it's almost like they're totally indifferent to that clarity. This was a covenant promise God had given to them, and they're thinking, well, that doesn't matter now because have you seen what's inside this land? These people are big. The cities are fortified strong, and, and we just can't do this. And so this starts to create a difficulty amongst the Israelites. And here they are hearing this report, ignoring God's promise, but now they're taking the position, let's get a new leader who will take us the other way because Moses is trying to take us this way and we don't want to face what's ahead. It's an amazing story in Scripture. Now, let's keep reading here. Let's go back to the Scripture. Let's go to verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell down in front of the whole Israelite assembly and gathered there. And Joshua, and son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephun, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us only. Do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will, what, devour them. Their protection, now watch this, their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Everybody say, God's with us. Their protection is gone, but he is with us. Uh, do not be afraid. Now, for time's sake, skip down to verse 20. This is where God responds back. Verse 10 through 19, Moses intercedes. And now we're going to pick up God's reply. Here's God's response. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you've asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills this whole earth, not one of those, watch this, not one of those who saw my glory in the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times. Not one of them will ever see the land that I promise on an oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb, watch this, has a different spirit. Everybody say a different spirit. Has a different spirit and follows me whole, wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Since the Amalekites... And the Canaanites are living in the valleys, turn back tomorrow and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. We learned last week that a single man's decision, a single decision, can have impact for generations yet to come. And we see that right here again. Literally, there would be people who had never experienced God's promise because their fathers and their complaining mothers 
tested God, grumbled against God, complained against God, and even said, let's just go back to Egypt. Now, unless my math is wrong, in Egypt, they were slaves. But for them, it was better to live in bondage with the comforts and the consistency of the life that they had always known instead of pursuing into the promise God had for them because a little bit of adversity was throwing them off their plan. We can learn so much from this conversation. But it's hard to process that the single decision of one person would affect their entire family. But that's the weight we all carry. You ever think about that? And that's what faith is. Faith is a journey that literally can impact generations yet to come. I can just tell you that much of my faith journey today has been impacted by my parents. My my parents greatly impacted my faith journey. Now, I've had to navigate and adjust and modify to the world I live in and some different things uh, that I've chosen a different path on, certainly, but at the core of it, what I believe today, the authority of Scripture, the the value of the local church, um, tithe covenant, uh, forgiveness, and I could go on and on. These are core things put in me because my parents made certain decisions. Faith is a journey that literally positions you to change the trajectory of the future of your family when you choose to follow God's plan. Having said that, it's also the opposite. When you go against God's plan, you don't just limit you, but you limit generations yet to come. And yes, God's redemptive, and yes, God has a plan, and God always redeems his creation back to himself. That is certainly true in Scripture. But at the same time, why would you risk that? by simply pushing off on God's plan. From this quick text, we can figure a couple things out. First of all, we can learn that fear spreads fast. Fear spreads fast. Would you agree with that? Fear goes quickly. And we also can learn here that doubt is easy. One of the easiest things to do in life is to doubt. It takes no effort, takes no research, takes no uh, intentional thought, you can just simply, I don't believe that. We discussed it a few weeks ago on the idea of our, our faith and doubt coexisting together. And that we can have doubts and have faith at the same time. And so we also learn from this that, that, that negative overshadows the positive. Why is that? Why is it that we are more prone to negative than positive? Why is it that bad news takes off quicker than good news? Why is it that a bad tabloid is is glorified and a good tabloid is reduced? Why do people love the gossip? Why do people love the juice on somebody else? Well, because we have a sin nature. We, by nature, default toward the worst, not the best. Unless you're a person of a different spirit. Unless you're a person of a different spirit. Who today would like to be a person of a different spirit? Who would like to be of a different internal motivation that no matter what you faced, you never forget the promises of God in the face of any adversity in your life? See, in the faith journey, you're going to have adversity. But the question is, is is the adversity louder than the promises of God in your ear? And how often do we let the adversity speak louder 
than what God's word has promised to us. It's amazing here that 12 spies go and inspect the land. Now, let me clarify. They didn't go so that God would know it was there. They weren't working for God in that conversation. God didn't say, hey, send these 12 in so I can know what's down there. They weren't doing recon work for the king of kings and lord of lords. They, they weren't investigating for the almighty. He knew what was there. But he was sending them in to give them the opportunity to see what is there, to know how much they would need his presence, and in the end, see the victory and the miracle just as they had seen time and time again. These are the same people that saw the plagues in Egypt. They saw God's mighty hand. They were not, they were not ignorant of his power. They've seen it. Yet here they stand once again, and God's saying, go in, you got this. And they're saying, we can't do this, they're too big. The city walls are too fortified. Let's just go back and be slaves till we all die. Or let's just die right here, because death is easier than going into this territory. Do you see all this happening? It's an amazing text. It's interesting how 10 people, not the full 12, Ten people sharing doubts and fears led the entire crowd to wanting to go back. It's interesting how even though God had made it clear that this was his promise being fulfilled, that he had a plan, even though God had made it crystal clear that this is the covenant I swore to your fathers, I am a God of covenant, and I told your father, Abraham, I'm going to take you to this place, this promised land. And now they're right at the doorstep, and they're seeing adversity, and they're pushing back on God. See, Joshua and Caleb come to the conversation. When you look at these two guys, it was their faith in God's presence and in his promises that drove them to interpret the facts different than everybody else in the conversation. They all saw the same thing. It wasn't like they missed what the other 10 saw, but they simply chose to live a life and believe differently than the other 10. And what were they holding to? The covenant promises of God. They knew God would keep his word to them. They knew God would not fail them. He had not failed them yet. Although they had failed God many times. They had tested God. They had grumbled. They complained. I could do an entire message series on grumbling and complaining. Because this was the Achilles heel of the entire community of the Israelites. Every time something got difficult, they grumbled, they complained. And that certainly is part of the human nature, even for ourselves today. When life gets tough, the easiest thing to do is to complain. But nobody here has ever complained. Nobody here has ever griped to somebody else about something. It's our nature. So today I want to walk you through a quick journey, and I want to take you through the scriptures, and I want to show you this makeup of a different spirit. And I'm going to play off the word spirit quite a bit, so just bear with me. Give me some, give me some latitude here to break this down for you, because I think it's unique that the scripture takes the time to simply note that Caleb was a man of a different spirit. Who would like to have a different spirit today? Now, before we go further, we got to clarify that in the scripture, there is a resounding theme 
that Christ's followers and people of faith are to live by and be guided by a different spirit. Over in Matthew 20, Jesus talking to his disciples, they're discussing this whole thing about the kingdom and, and his rule and reign. And he's saying, hey, he says, you guys know that your leaders among you love to lord over you. I'm in Matthew 20, around verse 25, 26-ish, and he said, hey, but not among you. It's going to be different among you, which means to me that everything about the faith journey means that we're to be different people compared to the world around us in every aspect of life. Not better, not arrogant, but certainly different. And when you look at this in the scripture, we can clearly see that the word different is talking about a person who is guided by and lives by a different spirit, namely the spirit of God. When you look at Caleb's life, he was a different person because he followed God. The Bible says he followed him wholeheartedly. Not halfway, not a little bit, but he was all in with God. Today, if you want that different spirit, you begin with being all in with God. Come on, say all in. You got to go all in with God. That's how you begin the conversation. Now, what, what is the spirit of man? Quickly, real fast. It relates to our spirit person, the person on the inside. The Bible says that God breathed life and God breath, God's breath gave us this living spirit. It's where you kind of get your temper from, your anger from, your courage from, your patience or your impatience. It's the internal part of who you are. It's not what you see, it's what you sense. It's not what you see as much as what you feel around somebody. You can see my external today, but you will know my internal if we spend a little bit of time together. And you'll know if I have a different spirit. You'll know what I operate by. Now, in the world today, just hear me, there are definitely spirits at work on the earth today. And they are unrighteous and they are righteous. Um, in fact, the scripture talks about this. The scripture says to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says that God, the spirit of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So here we have this picture that there is a spirit on the earth, even in their day and time, in our day and time, that can literally blind the minds of those who have not yet broken into the, behind the veil to accept Christ. They see the world very different. This is why you may talk to somebody and you just can't get your biblical position across the threshold for nothing because they literally are not seeing. So what do you do there? You don't keep beating on them. You start interceding and you start praying and you keep living out the Christian life and you let your works bring light to your father in heaven. It doesn't do any good to take a person with a blinded point of view and keep hitting them with the Bible. Because they're not going to see it anyway, and you're going to just make them mad. So when you start realizing this, there is a spirit on the earth today. In fact, I would even argue to say that there is a, there's an economic spirit on the earth today. They relates to our finances. It's a, it could be a spirit of fear or a spirit of greed. Uh, you, you know as well as I do, without going too in-depth on it, that there is a greedy spirit in, in the world today. There's also, and by the way, a greedy spirit is not just for those who have things. You can be a poor person and have a greedy spirit. Because part of a greedy spirit is thinking you deserve what somebody else has worked to get. That was free. <laughs> Didn't cost you nothing, so there's a free one for you. Um, a political spirit, you can have a political spirit. Your whole life is fueled by what's happening in the media. 
by what happens with this president, that president, this Congress, that Congress, your entire life is now fueled by that, and, and you feed off that, and now your entire lens, your filter, your, your spirit of the inner person is now filtered through all things political. Uh, you can have a religious spirit. Anybody ever met someone with a religious spirit? You know where most religious people hang out? The church. But the good news is none of you have that. You guys need to laugh a little bit. You're all, you're all tense out there. I'm not going to start calling you out like, thus saith the Lord, it's this person over here. I'm not, you're like all nervous. It's okay to laugh a little bit. You ever, you ever met a religious spirit? Man, whoo, those are stout. Now, before, you go, before I go further, let me just tell you, everybody here is susceptible to being influenced by differing spirits. The worst thing you can do is sit there and think, well, I could never have a religious spirit. Well, you might have one already. It's just asymptomatic. <laughs> but it's about to show up, don't worry. I don't have a political spirit. Well, you never know. It's possible. The worst thing you can ever do is think, I'm removed from that. But the one thing you can do to overcome, and there's, there's more I can name today. The one thing you can over, over, do to overcome that today is you can live with a different spirit that's fueled by the spirit of God that won't let you fall in the pitfalls of the other spirits of the God of this age. Look at this in Ephesians. Check this out real fast, Ephesians 2. It says, as for you, you were dead in your, trust, your transgressions and sin, your trespasses, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So we start getting the picture clearly that in the world today, there is a righteous spirit and there is an unrighteous spirit. Now, last week, I, I challenged the men of Calvary Church to, to lead themselves, to lead their house, and lead their church. And today, I want to challenge everybody here in my voice, everybody here, male, female, husbands, wives, Kids, grandparents, those in the house, those on, I want to challenge you today to be a person who has a different spirit. What would the world look like if we all had a spirit that was guided by the Spirit of God? What would your house look like? You ever been in a house situation when something just kind of came in your house? And all of a sudden, husbands and wives are on the opposite page, and you're tense, and you're fighting, and you're arguing, and the kids are running rampant, and it's like there's just this confusion going on. You know what that is? That's not bad pizza. That's a spirit at work. There, this happens. Now, I'm, I'm not being goofy. I'm, I'm explaining what happens because I believe firmly in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the God of this age will always bow to the King of kings and Lord of lords. No doubt about that. But we've got to be alert to this so we know what's going on. Just like in the 12 spies, there was 10 people who literally had convinced the whole nation to turn back. Let's get a different leader, they said. Let's, let's get somebody who won't, be, who, who won't go this way. Let's get someone that goes that way because that would be easier. So let's break down for the next few moments together, about 10 more minutes of time with you. Let's break down this different spirit. Having said that, faith always pushes you to be guided by a different spirit. And my prayer for you today is that you'll be guided by the spirit of God. Be different in all things.
So what then makes up a different spirit? Let me give you four quick things from the life of Caleb that I believe we can look at today. Number one, Caleb was a man of character. Watch this. Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly, which means he was consistent through and through. Listen to this. Character relates to the entirety of the whole person. Character is not just your external. Character is your deep internal. You've all dealt with somebody who was flashy on the outside but lacking on the inside. You've, always, you, you, you've all encountered somebody who on the outside looked like they had it all together, but on the inside they were a thief, they were a cheat, they were a liar, they were a conniver, or they did whatever worked for their gain. And they would mask it with this beautiful external thing. That's a character problem. The Bible tells us that Caleb followed God with all of his heart, not partial. Character is built by a wholehearted person. What you see is what you get. One of my goals as a pastor is to be the same guy in my backyard as I am on the stage. Now, I do wear different clothes for your benefit. But we've all seen somebody who in this light they were this, and in this light they were that. Now, we all hit real life. Character doesn't mean you don't, that life is perfect and life is seamless and life is all roses and everything is smooth sailing. Character means you're consistent in the rough waters as you are in the soft waters. Character means you're consistent when you're in the church just like when you're out of the church. Character means you say the same thing to someone's face as you do behind their back. No one's ever heard of backbiting in the body of Christ. No one's ever heard of, of, of gossiping in the body of Christ. Because that just wouldn't happen amongst believers, would it? But that's what character is. Caleb was the guy who was the same guy whether he was looking at giants or looking at the assembly of the Israelites, whether he was talking to God or talking to Moses and Aaron or talking to his fellow spies, he was the same guy no matter who he faced. That's an important part of character. And we see this because character is the full makeup of a person, inside and out, public and private. It's the totality of who they are through and through. It's the density of their soul. It's the true them. And again, because we're human, because we have a sin nature, we can mask anything. We, we, we have apps today that we can make our faces look strange. We can make ourselves into cartoon characters. You can take a picture of yourself, put it through a filter, and be anything you want to be. But that's not really you. Character is the true you no matter what's happening around you. And Caleb was a man of a different spirit because he had a different character makeup. Number two, quickly, character is built upon deep conviction. People of conviction, Caleb had conviction. Watch this. Conviction stands true in the face of adversity under pressure and holds fast the principle, not the pressure. When you're a person of conviction, you don't cave the pressures. Now watch this, Caleb. I love this back in Numbers 13. Check this out, verse 30 through 32. It says, then Caleb silenced the people before the Moses, and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Caleb is in front of the whole assembly going, Moses, we can do this. Watch this. But the men who had gone up with him 
said we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they'd explored. They said the land we're exploring devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. They forgot how big their God was. I don't care how big your adversary is. Your God is bigger. Your God is stronger. Your difficulty may be sure, but your God is more sure. Your God is a faithful God. He will never fail you. See, conviction positions you not just to hope for something, but to live for something. Caleb wasn't hoping God would come through. Caleb knew God would come through. He was banging his life on the promises of the word God had given to him through his ancestors. See, that's conviction. Living with conviction. That's a different spirit today because today's culture loves to sway with who they're talking to. Person of character, different spirit. Person of conviction, different spirit. Number three, almost done. You guys still here? Say yes. yes. Consistency. One of the coolest stories in Joshua 14. Caleb is taking this land. And I love this. Go to real fast to verse 10, Joshua 14, 10. It says, now then, just as the Lord promised He has kept me alive. Watch this. This is Caleb talking. He has kept me alive for 45 years. Since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved into the wilderness. So here I am today. Now watch this. I am 85 years old. Anybody here today by chance 85 years old? Come on. God bless you. Give our folks in the house a hand. God bless you. Watch what it says here. It says, I'm 85 years old. Now watch verse 11. I am still as strong today as the day that Moses sent me out. Do you see that? He was consistent. He said, I am as vigorous to go into battle now as I was then. You know why? Because he was fighting on God's team and no earthly limitation would hinder him. He was on God's team. He was fighting for God's purposes. He had God behind his back. It didn't matter how old he was because God God is ageless. God was on his side. He says, I am as ready today as I was back then. I am 85, but as strong as I was 40 plus years ago. Now that's a miracle. Because I know barely that age and strength and stamina don't go together. And I've got more to learn than that because I'm just now 25 myself. I love his language, though. I'm as strong as I was when I first heard God's promise. Is there anybody here today in the house that you're as strong as you were the first day you heard the promise of God over your life? You've aged in the physical, but your spirit man is running strong. Anybody here today, your spirit man is just as strong as it was 20 years ago. You're consistent in your faith. Consistency is part of faithfulness. All of our lives have ebb and flow. All of our lives have up and downs. All of our lives have good and bad days. But listen, we can choose to be of a different spirit and be a consistent part of God's plan for our life. He says, now give me this hill country. Not the easy country, the hill country, he said. I'm in verse 12. Give me the hill country. The Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the 
Anakites were there and the cities were large and fortified. The Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. What about the last part? We've talked about a person's consistency, their conviction, and their character. Caleb was different because Caleb had a different content filling his life. We live in a world of content today. We got these things in our hand called phones, and they're full of content. Everything you read, everything you see, everything you hear, everything you watch, it's content. It's going in. Now hear me today. Listen close. Caleb's content came from exclusively God's promises. And that's why he began to recite God's promises. Now watch this close and listen to me today. You will be filled with what you fill up with. I'm going to let that simmer for just a second because I don't want you to miss that. You'll be filled with what you fill up with. You're looking at a guy filled with steak and potatoes. I've been filled up with steak and potatoes. But what about the content I'm filled up with? Am I filled up with God's promises? And here's how you know what you're filled up with, what comes out of your mouth the most. Because the scripture tells us that it can't come out the mouth until it's in the heart. Are you with me? I'm preaching to somebody today. You're just kind of hanging out listening to me. Your, your content of your soul and your spirit will be driven by what you fill up with. If I fill up with hate all week, if I fill up with hurt all week, if I fill up with resentment all week, if I fill up with lust all week, if I fill up with perversion all week, if I fill up with language all week, if I fill up with the world all week, if I fill up all week with things that are contrary to God's plan, how can I plan to walk in God's promises? How can I believe God's promise that I've been filling up with everything else? See, my, my, the content of my life is built upon the content I take in. And then I wonder why I doubt God's word and God's plan because I'm not full of God's plan. Well, what if we today as people could pivot and fill up with different things? It's interesting here because in Numbers 14, Moses is saying to us here, they're saying to us in, in Numbers 14, the spies are saying, the, good, the two good ones, are saying to us, don't rebel against God. Well, what does that mean? That means the difference in unrighteous and righteous. See, the righteous spies will be blessed. The unrighteous spies, no. A person of a different spirit is full of different content. You ever talk to somebody who has a lot of faith and they also know a lot of the Bible and they apply the Bible rightly versus just apply the Bible how they see it? There's nothing more refreshing to the soul than hearing the word of God spoken in proper context because his word is like honey in the honeycomb. 
His word is a salve over the wounds of life. Everything else tries to keep you stirred up and riled up, but God's word comes in and heals you up. Let's be people of different content. Let's be people of different conviction. Let's be people of different character, and let's be people who are consistent. I know life is different today than it was 20, 30, 40, even 10, 5, 2 years ago. But we can still be consistent even today. So my closing question for you today, real simple is this, as you come to your feet across this house, what is your character, what's your conviction, what's your consistency, and what is the content of your life? We serve today a God who wants to take you to a new place. He has a promise for your life. Be sure today you have a different spirit that can follow him in his plan. Can I pray for you, Father? I thank you today for your word. God, your word challenges us, it changes us, and today I pray by faith that we will be people of a different spirit, guided by your spirit, filled with different content than this present age. We give you the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.